Hey, good morning, and uh, welcome, everybody, welcome River Glen, great to have you uh, here with us, thank you for joining us for uh, church, River Glen is one church, but we meet in many locations, and so everybody here in uh, Waukesha, would you join me, let's give just a big welcome uh, to everybody watching over in Pewaukee and online, love you guys, uh, so good to have you uh, with us, my name is Ben, I'm one of the pastors here, I want to invite you back next week, and want to invite you for Christmas, we've got eight services across two campuses, five here at uh, Waukesha, three over in Pewaukee, and we do more services at uh, Christmas time because it is the best time of the year when people are more uh, receptive to an invitation to come to church than any other time. So thank you to those of you that are, are praying and uh, inviting and using all those great tools on, on social media and taking those uh, inv invite cards. Thank you to all of you who are uh, volunteering serving and making it possible for us to do extra services. In fact, let's just give a hand to everybody who's volunteering. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for serving. And so we're preparing for Christmas uh, with a series based on a familiar uh, prayer, familiar to many of you. It's called the Serenity uh, Prayer. Serenity means peace. It means calm. And if you've been shopping uh, recently, uh, you know that uh, you need serenity at uh, Christmas time. If you've ever participated in a, a support group, AA, uh, NA, Celebrate Recovery, you probably know uh, the, the uh, serenity uh, prayer. And so here's what I want us to do to get started today. I want to just say the prayer, just say it with me out loud uh, together. So help me out, would you? Let's go. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Last weekend, we looked at the Christmas story through the lens of uh, Mary, and all week we've been, we've been praying, God, uh, help, uh, God, give me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. Uh, traffic, snow, right? Uh, maybe the test that I bombed, my age, uh, my family, other people, my background. These are all things about our lives that we cannot change, and these are areas where we need serenity. Next week, we're going to look at God, give me the wisdom to know the difference, and uh, don't miss that. But today we're going to focus on God grant me courage. God grant me uh, courage to change what I can, the things that I can. So here's the question I want to ask you. Where do you need some courage in your life right now? Maybe some of you would say in your uh, career because you're afraid that your performance is not meeting expectations. Or maybe there's a problem between you and your boss. Or maybe, you're, maybe your job just doesn't match your passions and your strengths? Do you have the courage to change? Or maybe you would say it's a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up in your life, and you've done all kinds of crazy things in your life. You've taken some financial risk. You've parachuted out of an airplane. But you struggle, I mean, to find the courage to walk into a support group like AA or Celebrate Recovery or Grief Share or divorce care and say, this is who I am. Do, do you have the courage to change? Or maybe, maybe for you, it's a fear that there's uh, something wrong in your, in your body physically, and you avoid going to the doctor because you're afraid to find out. But do you have the courage to seek help and treatment if necessary? Maybe you're facing a really big uh, decision, and you've talked with other people, and you've got a clear sense of what uh, God wants you to do. Do you have the courage uh, to pull the trigger and make the change? Maybe your fear involves your marriage, your family, and you're afraid 
of the uh, confrontation and the pain and the mess that it might open up if you face it courageously. Maybe there's a step in your spiritual journey that you know God's asking you to take. Maybe you can tell God's nudging you, maybe to get baptized, maybe to invite somebody to, to church, invite somebody to Christmas Eve. But uh, for you to overcome that uh, fear, it's going to take courage to take that step. It, it's fascinating if you read the Christmas story, how the most common command in the Christmas story is do not be afraid. When the angel appeared to Zachariah and told him that he would become the father of John the Baptist, it gripped him with fear, and the angel said, do not be afraid. When the angel appeared to Mary and told her that she was going to have a baby, Mary freaked out, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Same thing when the angel appeared to the, to the shepherds in their field, and uh, the angel said, do not be afraid. And so all the characters, we find all the characters in the Christmas story battling fear, but I think it's especially true when it comes to Joseph, when the angel comes to him to tell him that his fiancee Mary is pregnant. Take a look at what the scripture says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. As he uh, considered this, as Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, and I want you to say these next uh, yellow words out loud with me. Ready? Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child with, within her was conceived by the Holy uh, Spirit. Now, I want to pause for a moment and ask you a question. Have you ever wondered uh, why the Heavenly Father chose Joseph to be the earthly father of uh, Jesus? Talk about difficult shoes to fill. Talk about pressure. Joseph would have to take up where the Heavenly Father left off. <clears throat> and so uh, what was it about Joseph? Why, why did God choose him? What about Joseph stood out uh, from all the other men in the Middle East. Well, it wasn't where he was from. He was from Nazareth, uh, which had a poor reputation. People said, can anything good come from Nazareth? It wasn't how much wealth he had. I mean, he was poor. He barely got by working as a carpenter. It's not uh, because he was afraid, because we see that he was very afraid. I've come to believe that a pretty strong case can be made that God chose Joseph because of his courage in the face of fear. Many of us probably believe that courageous people have no fear, but the truth is that, that uh, the only people who show courage are those who are afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing what God wants you to do in the midst of, of fear. And so we pray, God, grant me the courage to change what I can. And Joseph's courage in the face of fear comes out in multiple ways. For example, he had the courage to make and keep commitments. Joseph had the courage to make a commitment to marry. He committed to love and cherish and honor her until death do us part. Look at verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Joseph made a pledge uh, to Mary. And it takes a lot of, of courage uh, to make a commitment to devote yourself to one person for a lifetime. I can still remember uh, the moment uh, when I asked Marnie uh, to marry me. Uh, 
It was our senior year of college. I bought a ring, I had it in my pocket, and I took her for a walk around the campus where we went to school. Same, same walk that we went on when we started dating, but I got really nervous. I mean, my palms started sweating because I started thinking about what if she says no? I hadn't really thought about that possibility. I thought she would say yes, but you never know. I mean, there's no guarantee in my heart. Uh, started pounding, what if she says no, or what if she says uh, yes, and then we get married, and it's not what she expected, it's not what we expected. It's a big commitment. It's, it takes a lot of courage. It's risky, and, and that's why many people in our world today avoid uh, commitments. There's a commitment phobia in our culture, but commitment is an important part of building a loving relationship. Uh, Dr. John Van Epp is a, uh, a psychologist and pastor. He's counseled people for over 25 years, and he's written a book for singles who uh, are dating or thinking about dating, and I love the title of the book, uh, How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk. Probably be a good book to read before you get married. Dr. Uh, Van Epp uh, teaches what, what he calls the relationship attachment model. Uh, he teaches these five dynamics of a healthy relationship and the sequence for uh, developing them. And so, you know, first you get to, you get to know somebody, and then after you, they, you get to know them, you, you, you see if you can trust them, and trust begins to grow, and you rely on them. And once you uh, trust and rely on them, then you're ready uh, to commit uh, to, to, to them. Now, a lot of people want to just move to the touch a phase of the relationship before they really know someone, before they make a commitment to someone. They, a lot of people just want to move uh, right into the touch phase of the relationship. But I want you to think about how Joseph decides that he loves Mary. And I, I, think, I think that's why he decides that he, has the cur- he takes the courage to do the hard work, take the time and do the hard work to move the relationship all along this process and, and then uh, make and commi- keep a commitment. A courageous man or a woman takes the time and does the hard work uh, to build a relationship and then uh, make and keep a commitment. Now, as the story moves on, you know that uh, Mary, right, discovers that she's pregnant. But here's, here's the deal. Uh, Joseph knows that he has not touched her sexually uh, yet. I know that sounds strange, uh, unusual in our, our, our world uh, today, but Joseph and Mary uh, got engaged and they waited before they got involved sexually. I heard a pastor uh, talk uh, recently, a pastor friend, talk about how when he started dating the woman that he would marry, that uh, he didn't kiss her for three months, the first three months while they were uh, dating. And the reason is because he did not want to build the relationship on, on affection. Affection is really powerful, and it can become the basis of the relationship. For Marnie and I, uh, we, we dated for four years, and I will tell you that I did not kiss my wife until we were married. And I, I know that sounds uh, old-fashioned and archaic, uh, but it's true. I did not uh, kiss my wife until uh, we were, were, were married uh, because she wasn't my wife until we were uh, married. Uh, I kissed her as my girlfriend. Um, you know, you guys didn't think I waited that long, did you? Uh, 
I didn't kiss her as my wife until we were married, but I kissed her as my girlfriend. Um, yeah, it sounds strange today. Uh, Mary's engaged to uh, Joseph, but uh, they have not gotten involved sexually. I want you to see how Joseph had the courage to honor God with his sexuality. I want to show you a, a verse that probably sounds very unusual in, in today's uh, world. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, what it says about Joseph. Uh, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. Joseph had the courage to honor God with his sexuality and not have sexual relations until or unless they were married. Now, I know that's rare in our world uh, today for a man uh, to, who says to a woman that he loves and plans to, to marry uh, when it comes to sexual involvement, why don't we wait? That's rare in our, in our uh, world. And it is a battle in the 21st century to honor God with our uh, sexuality, just like it was a battle in the first century. And it's something that we've got to fight for. We've got to fight for it before marriage and fight for it during marriage, and I know some of you are, are probably like smiling, you know, on the inside right now, rolling your eyes, and you're thinking, oh my, we have such a naive pastor at uh, River Glen Church. Doesn't he know that it's the uh, 21st century and, and sex outside of marriage, you know, with people hooking up is kind of a standard operating uh, procedure uh, these days. He really expects me to aim for sexual integrity. What's the big deal? Well, the Christmas story reminds us that this is still a big deal to God. Um, think about this. Do you think God would have tapped Joseph on the shoulder to become the earthly father of Jesus if, if Joseph were careless with his sexuality? There has always been a connection between moral integrity and God empowering and entrusting someone uh, to advance the work of his kingdom. I'm not naive, but I just wonder how many of us are missing out on going on an adventure with, with God because we're not honoring him with our uh, sexuality. I wonder how many of us, uh, singles, students, uh, married people, are missing out on God using us uh, powerfully because, because we're careless with our sexuality. But you know what? Here's the truth. You can change that. Yeah, the story of Christmas, the story of the birth of Jesus is a story of forgiveness and grace. Even after sexual integrity has been lost, it can be restored and regained through the grace of, of Jesus. Wouldn't it be something if Christmas 2022 became a season of grace for you and you started praying, God, give me the courage to change what I can. God, give me the courage. You can confess it to God and he will forgive you and cleanse you and set you free through his son. God can do something extraordinary through ordinary you, through ordinary me, just like he did through Joseph if we will courageously honor him with our sexuality. Something else that really inspires me about Joseph, he had the courage to handle betrayal with grace. I want you to think about, think, think about him for a few minutes and how his world falls apart instantly when he discovers that Mary is, is, is pregnant and quite possibly he's never even kissed her 
uh, yet. I mean, I mean, like, like most of, our, of us guys, what does he do? He's probably, he's probably starts scrolling in his mind through, through all the names of the guys that, that Mary knows, and he's probably ready to take somebody's head off. He, or maybe his knee-jerk reaction is to go on social media, go on Instagram, and start shaming her. You know, hey, everybody, Mary's not the little angel that everybody thinks she is. She's pregnant, and, uh, and get this, she says she's still a virgin. Wake up and smell the Starbucks, Mary. Joseph is hurt. He is shocked. Many of us here today, we know what it's like to feel betrayed by someone that we trusted. It's devastating. It can turn your world upside, upside down. So what does Joseph do after receiving this devastating news? He does something that is so mature and kind and loving and gracious. I'm not even sure that we can fully grasp the weight of it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Joseph courageously decides, instead of ruining her reputation publicly and, and ruining her future, he decides to handle this quietly. He decides to handle this graciously. Many of you know that even really good people like Joseph, have people betray them, wound them, hurt them deeply. Perhaps many of us have old relationships in our life, ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, an ex-spouse, maybe parents who are not even around, and just hearing their name, just thinking about them evokes bitterness, resentment, hatred within you, and you know it's unhealthy and unproductive, but courageous people learn not to carry that poison around with them the rest of their lives and live from an angry mindset. And I know probably over the next few weeks, uh, many of us will gather with family for Christmas celebrations, and some of you are going to be in the same room with, with, with somebody who hurt you, wounded you, disappointed you. Some of you are going to be dealing with ex-spouses, the other man, the other woman, when, when you hand off children as you attend Christmas programs, and just like Joseph, you're going to have a decision to make. Are you going to act on those dark impulses within you, or will you pray, God, give me the courage to change what I can. God, give me the courage to respond to betrayal with grace. You could do the loving thing instead of the, of the sinister uh, thing. That's not easy to do. But that's Christ-like. And uh, a courageous person, a Joseph-like uh, person, responds to betrayal with grace. Verse 20 continues. It says, as he, as he considered this, um, uh, as Joseph prepared to respond to betrayal with grace, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Look at this. Joseph, son of David, the angel said. I want you to notice that the uh, angel reminds him of his identity. This is interesting. He's not just Joseph. He's Joseph, son of David. Who's David? Uh, David, was, David was a little shepherd boy who would fight bears and lions to protect sheep. He defeated Goliath. Uh, David defied King Saul, who tried to kill him. David led the, the, the nation. He became the greatest king. You are Joseph, son of David. That's who you are. So take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived 
through the Holy Spirit. And the angel continues, verse 21, and she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will give his he will, he will save his people from their sins. He's saying, Joseph, this is your destiny. This is your calling. You know, this, this child is the long-awaited Messiah who will save us, who will save you and, and people from their sins. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife because Joseph courageously listened to God, and he courageously obeyed God, so much so. There's a little scene in Luke chapter 2 that I think tells us a lot about the courageous heart of uh, Joseph. It's easy to kind of gloss over this, though, and, and, and miss it. I touched on it last weekend. Look at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. Joseph and Mary uh, took him, Jesus, baby Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. They have this newborn baby to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Here's what's going on. This new father, Joseph, he takes the newborn baby, Jesus, to Jerusalem, to the temple, to the place of, of worship, to give a sacrificial offering, a thanksgiving offering to God for this newborn son who would save Joseph and all of us from our sins. And given all the challenges that he faces, I'm inspired by Joseph that he would have the courage to be generous and economic uncertainty. Think about it. If anybody had a good excuse not to give a Thanksgiving offering, it would be Joseph. I mean, they're poor. They just had a baby, right? Babies are expensive. He's probably making chariot payments, probably had to close down his carpentry business because of the trip from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. But instead of excuses, Joseph honored and worshiped God with a sacrificial offering that was in proportion to God's blessing in his life. He couldn't, he couldn't uh, sacrifice a lamb, which was the typical offering for a newborn uh, baby. So he brought two, what represented a sacrifice for him, two young pigeons or two doves. Now, in another part of the Christmas story, you, you probably uh, remember this, other people brought gifts uh, to worship God uh, for the baby Jesus, the wise men came from the east, and they brought some extravagant gifts of gold, uh, frankincense, and myrrh worth thousands of, of dollars. And so here's my question. You don't have to answer out loud. I want you to just think about this. Which gift do you think honored God more? The pricey, extravagant gifts brought by the wise men? Or Joseph and Mary and their Humble pigeons, I mean, given out of financial hardship. You know what I think? I think they both equally honored God. Why? Because they were equally sacrificial. Both were proportionate to the personal wealth that God had entrusted them to manage. The wise men gave out of their abundance. Joseph and Mary gave out of their poverty. Both were, both were equally sacrificial. You know, for thousands of years, the Bible has taught this principle of honoring God with proportional giving. It's a way to keep God first in your life, whether you've got a lot or a little. Take a look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2 in the, in the Good News translation. Every Sunday, each of you must put aside some money. Notice this next phrase, in proportion to what you've earned. So we don't give the same amount because we give in proportion to what we've earned. That's why the Bible teaches this concept, this principle of tithing. The word tithe is a mathematical term. It means a tenth. You give 
10% of all the resources that come your way as the starting point of your generosity uh, to God. And many of us have felt led to give beyond a, a tithe. So let me just ask all of you who uh, follow Jesus sincerely and consider River Glen uh, your church home as we get to the final three weeks of, of 2022, have you fully honored God with your tithes and offerings this year in a way that's proportional to how God has blessed you, in a way that represents the magnitude of God's blessing in your life. Some of you might say, Ben, this has been a tough year for us. It's been tough for my family. It's been hard for us financially. What, what, what do we do? How do we respond in the midst of, of hardship? Just like Joseph and, 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 and Mary, you do what they did, who out of their poverty sacrificed proportionally. Others of us, maybe we've been blessed above and beyond this year with growing income, investments, growing uh, businesses, and we're humbled by all of that. And we remember Scripture teaches to whom much is given, much is required. And maybe God will lead you to give an over and above kind of gift to our end of the year um, offering. We're in a season right now of just amazing opportunity as a church. Uh, God's blessed uh, this past year. Uh, God has, has brought uh, many new people to our, our, our church. This, this fall, attendance at, at Waukesha is up uh, 13% over last year. Uh, this fall, attendance at Pewaukee is up 35% over last year. And, you know, we praise God and we, we, we have welcomed uh, many new people. And we have a vision to make a, a bigger impact for Jesus in 2023. We sent a letter uh, this past week outlining some projects that we would like to complete. And your year-end uh, gift will help us start the new year strong and change more lives uh, for Jesus locally, regionally, and globally. And so I want to challenge everyone who loves Jesus, just as Marnie and I challenge, are challenging ourselves, to pray and, and give what God leads you to give. Give what God puts on your heart. Honor God by courageously worshiping him with your sacrificial offerings, just like Joseph and Mary. Now, one more thing I want to mention about Joseph. He had the courage to fully engage with his uh, kids. When Joseph became a parent, he fully engaged. During the delivery in the stable, I mean, he's right there beside Mary, fully engaged. A few days later, they travel to Jerusalem for the dedication at the temple. Joseph is right there, fully engaged. I know some guys that, you know, are involved in birthing, but then the religious stuff, the spiritual stuff, they just kind of put that over in mom's department, not Joseph. At the age of 12, uh, they go with Jesus. They take Jesus, Joseph and Mary take Jesus again to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, Joseph doesn't delegate spiritual formation of the kids to, to, to mom. No, he's fully, he's there. He's fully engaged. Dads, single dads, married dads, divorced dads, stepdads. I want to encourage you. Christmas is a great season for us to step up and have the courage to change what we can. This is a season where you could take out a Bible, you know, at the dinner table 
And instead of, you know, sliding it over to your wife, you could open that Bible up to the Christmas story. And it's found in Luke chapter 2, by the way. And you could say, hey, kids, I want you to hear your dad read the Christmas story to you. You could play some Christmas music in the car. Tell your kids what it means to you. You could find a special project to help an under-resourced family or individual. Christmas Day, you could gather your family together and watch the the special uh, broadcast. We put together a special Christmas Day service for you and your family. We've even built in some questions uh, for you to discuss together, and uh, I I think you'll enjoy it. Something very significant and memorable happens when families share activities and experiences together and laugh together. Don't underestimate the power of those uh, experiences. So Joseph's quite a courageous guy, wasn't he? And you know what I find really interesting? I don't know if you have uh, noticed this uh, before, but if you read the Christmas story, if you read the entire Bible, uh, Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, he never speaks. Not one time. Everybody else in the Christmas story speaks. Elizabeth, Mary, the shepherds, the wise men, even Herod the Great. But Joseph, maybe he's the strong, silent type. He never says a word. I was thinking about that this week, and I thought, you know, he just let his courage do the talking. And he just keeps praying, God, grant me courage. God, grant me courage to change what I can. And I believe God's looking down on us today, and he's looking for some courageous, Joseph-like men and women. People who will say, yeah, I'll, I'll be... I'll be a person who will make and keep commitments. I will honor God with my uh, sexuality, as challenging as it is. I will extend grace uh, to those who hurt me, to those who wrong me. I will uh, give my heart to God through generous, sacrificial offerings to let him know that he's first in my life and to show my gratitude for the gift of uh, Jesus. And uh, I'm going to fully engage with my kids and my grandkids. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be involved. And uh, it'll be fun. I'll be a spiritually leading man, a spiritually leading woman. But let's remember, you know, we cannot grow courage uh, just by listening to a message on uh, courage. The only way to grow courage is to trust God and obey him and uh, take action. Take action, like Joseph and Mary. Let me pray for us. God, uh, we, our prayer today is that you would grant us the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change. And I pray especially today that you'd give us the courage to change things that uh, with your power we can change. Give us the courage today that, that we need in whatever area of our lives that you're leading us to make some changes. And maybe for some of us, it's the area of making and keeping commitments. Or maybe it's courage to honor you with our sexuality. Maybe it's courage to show grace to some people who have hurt us. God, maybe it's courage that we need to be generous and honor you proportionally in our lives. Maybe it's courage just to engage with our kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews. God, I pray that you would also move in our church, through our church, 
Give us courage to extend many invitations to people who need Jesus. Come and join us for Christmas services. And uh, through your spirit, more people would find and follow you and the hope that Jesus can give. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.